0: to take a hit Um, if if the Chinese economy does not revive of itself, you know, if the U.S. goes into a serious recession, um, you know, if this Taiwan thing blows up, there's a lot of potential headwinds. So, I mean, with that in mind, you should certainly do what you can to to minimize the impact. And that would involve getting rid of some of the policies that are counterproductive and, and at best obsolete at this point. Okay, thank you very much. That's Pete Sweeney, Asia Editor at Reuters Breaking Views. You also heard Stuart Allcroft, Asia Fund Management industry consultant and RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take another look around the region's markets. In Australia, first of all, the SX200 slipping further into negative territory, now down 0.9%. Uh, the Nikkei 25 in Japan is holding up. It's up about half a percent. Cosby in South Korea up about 0.2%. Futures markets pointing to a gain of about 80 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. We'll have further business and finance updates for you. Coming up after the news back chats with Janice Wong and Danny Gittings. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, occasional showers and thunderstorms. Those showers are going to be heavy at times. The thunderstorm warning is in force right now. The maximum temperature is going to be around 31 degrees. And then the outlook is for showers, heavy at times with thunderstorms in the next couple of days. And then those showers will lessen on Sunday and Monday. The temperature right now is 28 degrees, 83% relative humidity. 8.31 8.31 and a half. Here's Andrew
1: Shirosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. Health officials have stressed that the overall fatality rate among COVID patients remains low at 0.7% despite a rising number of deaths in recent days. 11 COVID patients died yesterday. Lau Kahin, a chief manager at the hospital authority, said this reflected an increase in the overall number of cases.
2: In early July there's only a few cases per day, one to two or two to three. But in the recent one week, we know that there is FH5 to 6 deaths per day uh, Even last Tuesday, there are 10 Today, we have, we have 11 So what does this mean? This means there is an increasing number of infections in the community So there will be an increasing proportion of patients being uh, suffering from critical or serious conditions um, Some of them may die, uh, 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 unfortunately
1: Authorities yesterday reported 3,889 new local COVID infections and 234 imported cases. Another 171 COVID patients were admitted to hospital, taking the number of inpatients to 1,536. Six are in intensive care. The government has lowered the minimum age limit for the Sinovac COVID vaccine from three years to six months, as recommended by its advisors. Natalie Ching reports. The authorities say toddlers can receive the same vaccine dosage as adults. As for Tech, officials say toddlers should get a tenth of
2: the adult dosage, and they are discussing with the drug manufacturer about buying the right dosage for them. The government said in a statement that it's very concerned about serious COVID cases involving toddlers, and officials are trying their best to provide multiple avenues to get jabbed, so that they can be protected against the virus as soon as possible.
1: The foreign ministry in Beijing has condemned as a wrong and serious violation of the one China principle a visit by the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives to Taipei. An aircraft carrying Nancy Pelosi arrived shortly before 11 p.m. In a statement shortly after her arrival, the ministry said the visit also violated three China-U.S. joint communiques, gravely undermined peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait, and sent a seriously wrong signal to separatist forces on the island. It said China had made a strong demarche, that's a formal protest through diplomatic channels, to the U.S. side. It said the nation had all along opposed the visit by U.S. Congress members to Taiwan and said the executive branch of the U.S. government had a responsibility to stop it. Describing the Taiwan question as the most important and most sensitive issue at the very heart of China-U.S. relations, it warned that U.S. moves to increase exchanges with the island were like playing with fire, adding those who play with fire will perish by it. Finally, police say they've charged a man with doing an act or acts with seditious intent. The 34-year-old will appear in the West Kowloon Court today. The news from RTHK.
2: Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Janice Wong and my co-host today is Danny Gittings. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. On today's Backchat, we're talking about COVID vaccines for babies. The government has lowered the minimum age for children taking the Sinovac vaccine to six months, down from five years previously as incidences of serious COVID cases among young children increase. But BioNTech jabs won't be allowed for under fives yet, as authorities continue trying to procure smaller doses of the vaccine for children directly from the manufacturer. After 9.15, we'll look ahead to the Food Expo starting next week. But you can only eat with your eyes because participants won't be allowed to eat or drink at the event. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments on our Facebook page, backchat at RTHK Radio 3 You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us, of course, and our number is two three three eight eight two six six. That's two three three eight eight two six six. In the next 25 minutes or so, we'll be speaking to Professor Lao Lung, the chairman of the Government Scientific Committee on Vaccine-Preventable Diseases. And after nine, we will be joined by Iris Chang, the president of the Practicing Pharmacists Association of Hong Kong. Um, let's go straight to Professor Lao. Good morning and thanks for joining us on the program. Good morning. Um, before we talk about vaccines, Professor Lao, um, can you give us an idea how many infants or toddlers have been infected with COVID-19 recently?
3: Ah, uh, right. Okay. I may not be able to tell you exactly the numbers, uh, but I could tell you uh, in terms of the percentage of serious, critical, and fatal cases um, in the age bracket, if it's between zero to two years of age, then you get one severe critical death uh, in every thousand. If you get a bit older, that is the is three to four years of age, then it's one in a thousand. And by the time you reach primary school, then it's uh, maybe half a case uh, per thousand. And then the rate is uh, sort of the lowest uh, in the adolescent group, that is uh, one in 10,000. And then thereafter, it actually would increase. And as you know, the most vulnerable group in fact, will be the elderly. In um, the elderly, um, the percentage of cases um, reported to have severe, critical or, or fatal to
4: You're expecting things to get quite a lot worse as far as COVID is concerned. I mean, looking at your interim recommendations, one of the reasons you talk about vaccinating children is because you say you anticipate a winter surge in COVID-19? Yeah. In fact, obviously,
3: uh, we need to look It's about you know wave to wave in other countries. Um, it's about six seven months. Of, of course, in Hong Kong, we implemented a very uh, sort of stringent measures, and hence we don't see big waves until we've got this one enormous tsunami uh, in February March. Uh, if you look at the other countries and regions, uh, the interval between the waves uh, in fact it's got shortened to about three three months, rather than six months. What it really means is that the Omicron has acquired ability to mutate and evade our uh, existing immune um, sort of uh, defense, whether you get it from infection or from uh, vaccination. And obviously, um, we understand even for Omicron, there are different sub-variants. Now in Hong Kong, there's b two, but there's the b four and 5 already sort of taken over, uh, from B.2 in some of the Asian country regions, uh, like, for example, uh, in in Japan and, uh, and and in Korea and, and so on. So um, our worry is, uh, as winter comes, then perhaps uh, another wave uh, with B.5 or even worse, another subvariant or even non-Omicron, what we call Omicron Plus, then there is a possibility with the immunization and so on, there will be uh, another upsurge. So in order to at least to give a chance for the under three to have some immunity, then uh, we feel there's a, a an urgent sense uh, to let this uh, under three years old uh, age bracket to have this chance. But of course, I have to highlight the most vulnerable was still our elderly, that is over uh, 80 years old. And uh, for that age bracket, uh, I gather there's at least uh, 120,000 uh, not even getting one jab, you know, Uh, So the focus, I I suppose, is at the end of this, uh, the two ends of the age spectrum, basically.
2: All right. So so what you're trying to do, what the government is trying to do right now is to uh, get the population as ready as possible for the uh, winter surge that uh, you're expecting. And uh, of course, what parents want to know is if uh, COVID vaccines are safe for children that young.
3: Yeah, of course, uh, we are very mindful of the concern of parents. Um, Maybe I address those parents who wish... Get vaccinations first because um, i'm involved in directly vaccinating uh, children young children as low as three years of age for the past uh, year and a half and understand a lot of them in fact they also got children younger than three years of age and they've been pleading us uh, why, why not why not uh, we we, have, we don't have a chance you know and, and they keep sending me emails and messages uh, when will we have vaccination for those under three so there's um, a very significant portion of parents wish to have that chance. Uh, So I think that will address uh, their needs. Now I address the the other side of the view, I suppose, who is very concerned, who who have reservation about vaccination. And that's why I always uh, maintain my position that uh, there should not be any coercion uh, for vaccination. What we can do is to repeatedly explain to the citizens uh, what is the situation, uh, what the vaccines may be able to do for your children and so on, and there's ample um, self-evidence sort of that to show uh, having three jabs uh, is the best way to reduce the severity of disease, to reduce deaths. But of course, at the same time, uh, for parents of young uh, children, they are very mindful of possible side effects. Uh, but since we have used these two vaccines for h- nearly two years, and worldwide, these two vaccines are the top most used vaccines. So, in terms of experience. Uh, is just enormous i don't think in human history uh, there's so much uh, data gathered in terms of how vaccines behave uh, uh, especially among all the COVID vaccines and you know the pfizer as well the the sinovac the vaccine we have the most data in terms of both performance uh, safety quality uh, and so on and of course um, we've uh, looked at the data uh, from the early clinical trials of that age bracket for the two vaccines and looking, the numbers uh, recruited are only in hundreds rather than like in the previous trials in the thousands. Uh, basically, I think citizens need to understand to do study and and drawing blood and so on in very young children is very challenging, and hence uh, it's always there's a limitation of recruiting large number. So what <laughs> the data that we've examined is not on the clinical endpoint, what we call the you know uh, the efficacy, but actually look at the antibody response. And looking that uh, in that group of uh, children, uh, having three doses uh, of Pfizer, the BioNTech, as well as the two doses of uh, Coronavac-generated antibody um, comparable uh, to that generated in the older age bracket. And that's what we call immunobridging and reached the conclusion that they are going to be uh, performing at the same level, basically. Coronavac obviously needs three doses as well, but they only generated two doses
4: Um Although although these vaccines are very safe overall, um, there have been side effects, haven't there, among uh, particularly among teenage uh, teenage children? You you actually had to change your advice about the number of recommended vaccines last year. So, um, what what are the risks um, among young babies? I mean, is um...
3: yeah, sure,
4: yeah, okay. Uh, So
3: the one uh, major concern is myocarditis, that's inflammation of the heart muscles, and pericarditis, the inflammation of the linings of the heart. Uh, after Biontech, uh, especially in male, in adolescents, uh, in fact, that alarm has been raised uh, very loud by us in Hong Kong. Um, at one point, we were actually so worried we have to stop the second dose for the adolescents. And as Omicron looked around the corner, we put back uh, the second dose, but at a, at a much longer interval between the first and second dose, and that has been proven to be very effective to reduce. And the incidence of the myocarditis in the most uh, sort of affected age bracket, that is the adolescents, especially the the male, and that's why we have actually changed the recommendation for the beyond sort of from you know what's been recommended by the drug company. Uh, So the interval between the first and the second dose uh, is now eight weeks, not three weeks, as um, sort of stated by the drug company. And then the third dose, we actually set at least three months. So from our own local experience, uh, we are very confident that we'll be able uh, to uh, lower the risk of the um, myocarditis, that's inflammation of the heart uh, for the Biontech in this age uh, bracket. Uh, but of course, um, um, my, my own position is that we need to explain as much as possible uh, in terms of the benefits as well as the potential risk and, and, and the parasympathetic choice. And that is how Hong Kong has been working all along.
4: Yeah. Would you recommend that uh, parents take, take Sinovac instead for the third, for, third dose for their uh, their children, given that Sinovac has sort of, sort of almost no side effects of myocarditis, right? The vast majority beyond tech. Yes. Yeah, basically, it's, a, it, it's the property of
3: the, the platform. You know, the CoronaVac is a very old platform. It's an activated um, so virus um, like the flu jab we get every year for the last God knows how many it, Yes, it's of the same platform, so uh, it's very safe. And, of course, uh, we have the global data as well as uh, no Hong Kong local data, and there's really no uh, risk of myocarditis if you have the coronavirus. Uh, but on the other hand, you, you you have to understand that people like to have a choice, and some people would just want to get the BioNTech uh, over the corona and taking uh, that very small risk Uh, because Uh I've been vaccinating over thousands of children and their parents and and I've explained all that and said, yes, Dr. Lau, I will accept that small risk and I will follow advice. I will have my son or my son will listen to me and rest uh, for the next, uh, I don't know, a week, 10 days and will not do uh, severe exercise and I'll rest and they sail through, you know, uh, without any problem. And of course um, in Hong Kong, the number of marketitis after so many people got the jab uh, is still... Uh, so for 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 young people, it's it is, it's it's no more than fifty or sixty, and all of them actually recover. Um, and of course, uh, they would need some kind of follow-up. Uh, but right. what I want to stress is, is is very low risk, and and obviously uh, they recover most of them. Yeah. All
2: right, Professor Lau, we have a caller on the line. Um, it's uh, she, she's called Mary. Good morning, Mary. Uh, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Uh, what would you like to share with us?
5: Uh, well. Uh, I have a six-month-old baby right now, and uh, I don't, you know, really want to vaccinate him. Uh, I think the only choice for vaccination is Sinovac right now, and I think they said, like, the dosage is the same as for a vaccination for an older child, so that sounds pretty risky. (laughs) And, yeah, I hope. um, I think the ultimate choice should be left to the parents and... I hope life doesn't become difficult for parents who choose not to vaccinate their child. So,
2: All right, Mary. Right now, we only have Sinovac. Um, would it be better if we had Tech and Sinovac? Do, would you like to have a choice?
5: Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, like even if we have a choice, I'm still uh, I still hesitate to vaccinate my kid.
2: Is it because of the side effects that uh, may come with the vaccination?
5: Yeah, um, I mean, I think like other vaccinations, they get tested for decades, and this is kind of an emergency case. And I understand uh, for parents who have kids who've had health problems since health, like they would, you know, want to take more precautions and they'd want to vaccinate their kids. But uh, like for myself, my baby's pretty healthy. Like I'm not super worried like even if he gets COVID. I'm worried about like being separated from him for like two weeks, but uh, I'm less worried about the sickness. So, All right. yeah.
2: M- Mary, just stay on the line. Professor Lau, did you, what, what do you have to say to uh, Mary's concerns?
5: Well, I respect
3: Mary's decision, and that's why I've maintained my position. It must be a personal choice. There should not be any coercion or making life difficult. Uh, for parents who opted not to vaccinate their children and hence, I said, there should not be restriction for those unvaccinated children to attend school. Uh, Therefore, implementing the daily RAT, uh, that is the rapid antigen test swap, would help uh, everyone, uh, those who've been vaccinated and those who opted not to be vaccinated. Uh, But uh, the history would tell us that whether you opt or not opt for vaccination, you still get an infection. And the only difference is... Uh, if you have the vaccination and then you get the infection, uh, then the chance of getting severe disease and death uh, will be reduced. Um, and then if you don't get you know, the vaccination and you've got infected, then your chance to get severe disease or even death uh, is much higher. But of course, that ratio is extremely um, um, sort of large.
2: Mary, um, after listening to uh, Professor Lau, I mean, would you would you reconsider?
5: Uh, I mean, I, I still think uh, you know the children that have uh, died from the COVID have they probably had some health problems prior to getting COVID, and I think COVID um, triggered something that caused their death, and that that worries me a little bit. But um, you know, I, I think I'm just going to keep. Uh, not going out with my child as much, and I think you know babies don't really interact with people much unless they're going to the health clinic which is like uh, once every two months so yeah I'm not going to take the vaccination uh, I'm not going to have my child take the vaccination
4: Prof- Professor professor is that correct that the, the the babies who' sadly passed away had other health problems that were exacerbated by um uh, covid
3: uh, that is- because uh, a few children, uh, a few little children actually died, not just 22 months old. Uh, they all died uh, two days ago. If some of you probably remember uh, during the, 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 the initial phase of the Omicron tsunami, a few of the children actually died. They, they are all very uh, sort of young, basically months or just a couple of years of age, and all of them are actually healthy and bouncing around the day before um, the illness hit and then And then the disease runs a very extremely fast course. Some survive, but some die. Uh, But of course, everyone is very sad and not understanding what actually happened. Uh, So my own hypothesis at that time and still now is that perhaps they have some kind of what we call immune uh, deficiency that is unknown, undiagnosed. Uh, Because indeed there's a good group of children who suffer from what we call primary immune deficiency or inborn error of immunity. Uh, they do not have any manifestation until they hit uh, by a virus of some description where it's influenza in this case is you know the SARS coronavirus V2 the, the COVID uh, and so on so that that's, that's uh, uh, the current thinking at least from my own uh, position but uh, putting that aside yes, there are still other complications like um, you know what we call the croup uh, because babies airways are very tiny and if they got um, you know the COVID uh, then they've got information of the upper airway and they might have obstruction. Uh, they will have difficulty breathing um, and then they might need
2: Professor Lau, um, well, let's just go back to Mary for a moment. Uh, so, so Mary, I hope uh, Professor Lau has uh, answered some of your uh, your questions and uh, your concerns. Uh, thanks for calling in, Mary. Um, Professor Lau, um, I'm sure there are many parents who, who uh, or some parents who share a similar view to Mary. How, how would you uh, convince them to get their babies or toddlers vaccinated? Uh,
3: yeah, it's always a challenge I have to meet. Uh, but the experience with the three to eleven, you remember, um, so early on this year because of the Omicron waves, we we're so worried, and then we started to have a lot of seminars, Zoom meeting, and so on. And uh, personally, I've conducted a few of them uh, with like uh, one, and we documented. In fact, uh, initially, it's only thirty uh, percent of the kindergarten uh, age bracket uh, would want to have vaccination. But after our Zoom and the talk, uh, we documented with. Uh, Of questionnaires before and after our talk actually increased from 30% to 60 or 70%. And I I look at the current vaccination coverage for the three to, I think, 11, it's around 60 70%. So it it actually would work uh, because at that time we focused uh, on kindergartens and primary school. Uh, age bracket, so I suppose uh, we need, uh, all the pediatricians uh, would need to start talking about the, the very young age bracket, the six months to three years
4: okay. of age. Just listen to the parents. Yeah. Um, Professor, so, Lowe, can I, yeah. sorry, I can ask you something else before you go, which I'm yes. sure some of our listeners uh, would be thinking yes. about. Right now, adults of all ages, if they wish, or if they think they're high risk, can get a fourth vaccination, but... Yes. Um, even teenage children, if even if they, maybe they're going to study in the UK, high risk, yes, um, yes, it's yes. not an option for them. Uh, but we'll soon be reaching sort of six months since um, third doses were available to teenage children. Is there going to be any consideration of extending the option of a fourth vaccination to teenage children? Um,
3: I, Well, if they've got a tough, uh, disease, uh, like that would uh, hurt them in terms of the. Immune system, yes, they're already eligible. They're already uh, eligible. But mind you, um, vaccination carry risk, that's what Mary's been thinking about. And, of course, we've been trying to assess what we call the risk-benefit um, sort of ratio.
4: But how about those uh, who are going to study in the UK, things like that, where COVID is so prevalent? I mean, may, many of them might well think that um, the <laughs> the risk of catching yeah. COVID if, is if so high. There. If
3: they're going to study there, uh, and if they're healthy, if they've got no illnesses, after three jabs, whatever... It is coronovac or BioNTech, they're very well protected if they're healthy. And it's better for them to get the fourth uh, uh, sort of exposure through the natural infection than they would reach what we call immunity. So immunity is, 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 is um, sort of uh, recognised uh, to be broader, uh, maybe more durable, who knows, that is not known yet, but do not get the infection before the vaccination. So the the message is to get the free jabs, um, and then if you're healthy, If you're young, if you don't smoke, and if you are not obese, and if you exercise uh, frequently, you are at such a low risk. It's no more than a flu, a cold, uh, when you get it. But of course, uh, you might still get uh, maybe a few days fatigue, sore throat. And unfortunately, I noticed uh, some of my friends actually lost smell, and I hope they, they will recover you Know, even got the fourth jab, the antibody won't last more than a couple of months. All right, Professor Lau, you, yeah. Professor Lau, yeah,
2: Professor Lau will have to take a break for the news very soon. I have an okay. email here from Doug, he just uh, wants to ask a question. It's a bit, uh, he says it's a bit uh, off uh, today's topic, but it's related to COVID 19. He wants to know, um, how is it uh, that uh, imported cl- cases are uh, cl- classified? I mean, how are these uh, distinguished from uh, local cases? Just very briefly, uh, the
3: government. Want to categorize this uh, in terms of the risk of introducing other variants, as I mentioned, B.4, dot four, dot five, and they possibly will come from other countries or regions with very high percentage points. And and if we do not uh, sort of uh, have some kind of measures to control that, then B. dot four and dot five might actually take over very rapidly. And of course, the percentage is not high, it's only five to ten percent. So I suppose if we could control that, we should be able to relax some of the border
2: measures. All right, Professor, like Lau. All right Professor Lau, we'll have to take a short break yeah. for the news. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Professor Lau Yulong, who chairs the Government Scientific Committee on Vaccine-Preventable Diseases. And uh, just a quick look at the weather. It will be mainly cloudy with showers and thunderstorms. The thunderstorm warning is in force. Highs expected today of around 31 degrees. Right now it's 29 degrees, relative humidity 77%.
1: one-China policy, and that the U.S. did not want the situation to spiral into a crisis. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
2: Welcome back, this is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Danny Gitchings and me, Janice Wong. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the government's decision to lower the minimum age for children taking the Sinovac vaccine to six months, down from five years previously, as incidences of serious COVID cases among young children increase. But beyond tech jabs won't be allowed for under fives yet, as authorities continue trying to procure smaller doses of the vaccine for children directly from the manufacturer. If you want to ask questions or just share your views on today's topics remember you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can give us a call our number is 23388266. Joining us on the program now we have Iris Chang the president of the Practicing Pharmacists Association of Hong Kong. Good morning Ms Chang. Good morning thanks for joining us on the program um the government uh, says it's trying to secure the uh, baby version of the beyond tech vaccine uh, looking at the market situation uh, do you have an, any idea how difficult that would be
6: well all the COVID 19 vaccines are very scarce around the world uh, definitely we would have to uh, make a lot of effort in order to obtain the vaccines into hong kong uh, it will be a challenge absolutely
2: and uh, if we have to wait a long time, um, there is another alternative being considered, um, and that is uh, to extract or withdraw a one-tenth dosage of the adult vaccine, right? Miss um, Chang, how difficult would that be in practice?
6: In practice, that would be very difficult to control the quality of the vaccines to be administered to the, uh, the little children, because for emergency uh, use, authorization vaccines such as the COVID ones, we're still monitoring the safety of those vaccines being used. And if we cannot guarantee the, gap, the quality of those vaccines being administered, uh, that will be uh, very uh, compromising to what we're trying to achieve for public health to endanger uh, some people because of quality issues of the vaccine.
4: Why can why would um, extracting one tenth? why would that mean that you can't guarantee the quality or that the quality risks would be higher?
6: Yeah, because for the uh, dilution of the uh, vaccine, uh, you would actually have to do it uh, manually to get the one-tenth of the dose of the adult. Uh, originally, the bottles of the BioNTech vaccines are already in a very little volume uh, inside the little bottles. And when we have to dilute it for adults, we already have to, to make a dilution. And the way you make a dilution is you inject some diluent into that vaccine and then you invert it ten times to make sure it gets mixed. But you cannot really make sure if we get one tenth of that dose, how well we can mix that. So that means that you will be having variable uh, amounts of quantities of vaccine in those uh, syringes that we use for children. So basically, it's really difficult manually to do this manually. Basically, you need some robotics and technology and technical uh, equipment in order to ensure that the quality is the same for every syringe that we put into the people. Uh,
2: for vaccination. I, I just want to clarify something, Ms. Chang. You, you just said uh, the vaccine will be diluted. It's, it's will be diluted and not uh, directly extracted or withdrawn from the uh, the uh, the actual vaccine, right? Because I mean, yeah,
6: it needs to be dilution, Yes, yeah, the parent basically when we do it for adults, we have to make a dilution first and uh, separate it into five or six syringes from the original vial. So that's one of the technical aspects of the vaccine that we're using now
2: for BioNTech. And uh, right now, um, this uh, dilution, it is being done for children aged 5 to 11? Because uh, they received the one-third dose, right?
6: Correct, it's being
2: done. And, and how's that going? I mean, has uh, I mean, has it been uh, going smoothly? Have there been any challenges?
6: Well, basically it's difficult, but uh, it's being managed. But then with one-tenth of a dose, it's going to be uh, something that, that will pose harm, uh, that will have uh, less. Uh, safety um, insurance. So basically, the quality cannot be guaranteed.
4: So, in short, it sounds like you and actually quite a few other experts who come out on this, you think it's a bad idea to do this.
6: Exactly right, because the doses are just too little, and the babies are just too small. And uh, any uh, error in terms of the uh, quality of the vaccine, in terms of the volumes of the vaccine, are uh, being administered into the little uh, baby. Uh, will make a massive difference in terms of the safety and
4: efficacy of the vaccine. But at the same time, you also acknowledge the shortage of vaccines, that it may take quite a long time to get a, um, a sort of different, um, different version of Biontech from the manufacturer that can be given to babies. So if you're not going to dilute it, it's going to take some time to get a different version of Biontech. Then uh, for parents of babies, it's basically going to be a choice between Sinovac or nothing for some time to come.
6: Yeah, that will be uh, some of the uh, hard decisions that will have to be made. Uh, But basically, we have a choice uh, that to get vaccinated with San or not to get vaccinated. So I think uh, this consideration will be a little bit easier because we have a choice. Yeah,
4: but it's still less of a choice than for all other age groups in Hong Kong, right?
6: Uh, That's correct, of course,
2: and uh, right now, um, when we talk about uh, giving the uh, BioNTech uh, dose to to uh, younger children, like those aged five to eleven, um, is there usually a pharmacist at the um, vaccine center? I mean, how how is that carried out? I mean, is there a pharmacist uh, there to uh, dilute the uh, the appropriate amount for for these young children? Yes, there are pharmacists
6: there to do the dilution technique. That correct.
2: Right, so if we do the one tenth dosage we we will need a, we will still need a pharmacist there or will we need more pharmacists there or will it just be the same same number
6: well uh absolutely uh the number of pharmacists will have to be increased because the the work uh it needs more uh caution and also uh it needs a little bit more time uh if we we're going to go in that direction, yeah, pharmacists are needed more.
4: Now, more generally, looking forward, um, um, Professor Lau, who was on in the first half, was talking about um, the dangers of a uh, winter surge of COVID, uh, that uh, saying the interval between different waves of COVID is getting shorter overseas. Um, how concerned should we be about that in Hong Kong in, in the coming months? Well, I think uh,
6: for Hong Kong, the coming months, uh, we have to prepare for a, a range of uh, communicable diseases, uh, including flu, uh, pneumonia, and then also uh, even monkeypox. So a lot of things that we have to uh, deal with concurrently. So getting protection is one of the things that we encourage uh, to take uh, calculated risks and to observe uh, the uh, adverse drug reactions. So one of the things that we would like to encourage is if the parents uh, are going to have the uh, babies vaccinated, uh, to report uh, the adverse drug reactions after immunization. So our association has been running that free hotline to help people report uh, the adverse drug reactions. And they can WhatsApp at us at 69031813.
4: Okay, and uh, and how common are the adverse reactions so far?
6: So far we're getting uh, some of the common uh, reactions and we still report. And then some of them we get rare, rare ones, which we think are important so that the government can make quick decisions uh, if they wish to uh, stop using the vaccines or maybe... Uh, make more uh, important guidelines referring to because of the uh, side effects. So basically the monitoring of the adverse drug reactions after immunization, especially in the uh, younger population, is very, very vital in terms of how we can monitor that close to real time, uh, that the use of vaccines are safe or not.
4: And I think there's some suggestion with parents of young babies that um, if you see, you have to wa- you should watch very carefully for any symptoms in their eyes and so on, and you have to act very fast with young babies, don't you? Because um, uh, the reactions can, can, the any side effects can take hold very quickly. Yeah. and
6: so what we've seen in the reports about uh, young children having uh, the the COVID infection is that uh, the fever will be affecting their physiology. Of course, now we're looking at some convulsions and twitchings of the eyes, a little bit of um, a dif- a difficulty in movements or maybe some twitches may indicate a very uh, serious reaction. So it's all about um, how the virus is affecting the body and uh, the uh, nervous systems and such in the little, uh, p- uh, little children. So we're looking at the elderly and the younger population being affected um, the most, and it's quite taxing for them. And then we we will see some tragedies happen, like very young uh, children dying and the elderly dying. And we want to keep that at bay. So basically, uh, watching out for those symptoms, and then after immunization, watch out for those um, uh, side effects, the adverse drug reactions. So it's important to report.
4: And then what? So what kind of symptoms? You mentioned uh, twitching of eyelids. What what else?
6: Yeah, like the uh, the high fever, the twitching of eyelids, uh, maybe some uh, short period of seizures. Uh, very uh, fatigue, uh, loss of appetite, all these kind of things uh, from the viral infection. And then after the injection, uh, the Center for Disease Control in the United States have reported after the injection for children under three, uh, watch out for those swollen lymph nodes, uh, lack of sleep, loss of appetite, crying, irritability. So all those are, are symptoms that we have to be uh, to be on the lookout for. So actively uh, looking out for those signs and symptoms and reporting that.
4: And how long should you wait before going, I mean, uh, because you have things like um, sleep problems with babies all the time. How how long should you wait before you actually um, rush your your baby to hospital?
6: Well, I think it's just a a matter of if you see that the the baby already has uh, the COVID, uh, you better to be safe than be sorry. So uh, rush to the medical to get medical attention as early as possible.
4: Because some parents will be reluctant on the other side. If they're not sure the parent ha- their baby has COVID, taking the baby out to a um, hospital ward, is, uh, you, you run much, much more risk of contracting something there.
6: That is true. But however, uh, right now we're seeing that the numbers are, are not low. Uh, the numbers that of infection around Hong Kong is, uh, is high. And uh, the chance of having uh, people with COVID uh, and, have, and giving it to the baby, is, uh, is the risk is high. So at this point, it's better to be cautious to get medical attention
4: rather than wait. And you mentioned uh, just now that we have to prepare for a range of diseases um, going into um, uh, the winter. I mean, I know in Western countries, they're very concerned about a surge in uh, flu, possibly. They say that um, people have been uh, sort of sheltering for the last couple of years, have not been exposed to, to flu in the same way. Uh, is that concern in Hong Kong, that the flu, the flu season could be worse than normal?
6: Yeah, I think so. I think we're all getting uh, prepared for the battle up in the, uh, the winter months that's coming up, when we we're doing the flu seasonal drive for our vaccination already. Um, we're preparing for that because even though we are all masked up and everything, uh, the flu can actually uh, be very contagious. And once if we have that in the community outbreak, then uh, we have uh, double trouble uh, along with COVID. So absolutely being prepared, and uh, we are expecting uh, kind of the worst. Uh, in case that the flu uh, outbreaks and then along with the COVID uh, surge and then also with the uh, pneumonia diseases running around the community. Of course the monkeypox that may occur or not but we are all being prepared for that.
4: But monkeypox is rather different. I mean monkeypox is not something that's passed through casual contact in the I mean or in crowded settings in the same way as, um, as flu or, um, or COVID right?
6: Yeah true exactly yeah but then also we have to be careful of uh, new ways of transmission that's because of the variants of the uh, different kinds of diseases. So, but of of course, uh, these these things are on the rise in terms of emergency diseases, and uh, we have to be prepared, basically.
4: So you're actually predicting, or not predicting, but you're you're saying that there is a danger of uh, quite a grim winter ahead for us in Hong Kong.
6: Absolutely, because of the circumstances that we're in with the COVID, and then also uh, with the vulnerability of the elderly, especially, and the children that we have in Hong Kong. Uh, right now exposed to uh, COVID, which uh, sometimes, even when they get better after uh, COVID, uh, they may have a weakened immune system. So that gives opportunity for other diseases like the flu.
2: All right, Ms. Chang, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Iris Chang, the president of the Practicing Pharmacists Association of Hong Kong. It's now coming up to 16 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move on to our second topic this morning. And it's about the food expo starting next Thursday. So what can we expect this year? Let's find out more from Simon Wong, the president of the Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Good morning, Mr. Wong. Good morning, Janice. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, So do you know what some of the highlights are this year? Well, um,
7: I was at at the press conference uh, yesterday and I saw that um, uh, a lot of companies uh, um, are introducing a lot of uh, uh, special offers uh, to uh, visitors uh, if they come to the food expo. Uh, for example, um, there will be a lot of uh, $1 items. Um, you know, the, this would, uh, I believe, attract a lot of uh, people uh, coming to uh, Food Expo to spend their money. Um, however, um, uh, you know, the, since uh, the uh, Food Expo uh, uh, don't allow uh, people, uh, you know, to uh, you know, have any food tasting, um, so uh, exhibitors, uh, in this sense, would uh, you know, uh, introduce more offers or special uh, discounts, um, so that uh, people would feel that uh, this, you know, uh, what they buy is very attractive.
4: So it's really going to cost them. Uh, it's going to cost the exhibitors a lot because they can't um, they can't allow their customers to taste the food. So as you say, they have to discount discount instead, right? Uh, that's true, uh, but. Uh,
7: having said that, uh, since last year, uh, we uh, would not be able to do uh, any food tasting uh, during Food Expo. Um, the business uh, last year, of, uh, well, overall speaking, has dropped a little bit, but um, uh, exhibitors would, would, uh, still found that uh, the business is in a fat, uh, satisfactory stage because, um, you know, the offers they uh, launched during the Food Expo did attract a lot of um, visitors to uh, buy uh, uh, the products. So this year, when you when we see that, um, well, uh, there are more exhibitors joining the exhibition um, compared to last year. Um, you know, the, this shows that um, you no know, exhibitors are, are not con- too much concerned about. On banning of the um, food tasting uh, at the expo. Um, other than that, because um, the well, this is uh, well, we are still having the COVID uh, situation uh, at the moment, and it's quite serious. So um, you know, with Cap 599F, we are simply not allowed to have any uh, food tasting on uh, exhibition site uh, particularly uh, this exhibition uh, is a consumer show and it will attract a lot of uh, visitors coming uh, to this show uh, according to uh, the figures provided by Hong Kong PDC last year uh, we had uh, around 370,000 uh, people visiting the show for just uh, these five days uh, so, uh, this year, um, we do expect, uh, well, the turnout will be uh, a little better because um, with the launching of the consumption voucher uh, on uh, August 7th, um, uh, this is going to um, you know attract people to find places to, to spend their money. And uh, Food Expo is one of the most important exhibitions of this kind in Hong Kong, and um, every year we attract a lot of uh, visitors coming to this show. So um, if people you know spend their money using the consumption voucher, that would add uh, the well to the business.
2: Right, like you mentioned, uh, visitors uh, to this year's uh, food expo, they won't be able to uh, remove the mask or taste food samples at the venue. Um, Have you spoken to any of your members? I mean, what's been, what have they been telling you?
7: Well, um, some members um, talked to me and said that, um, first of all, some uh, small companies, uh, if they want to introduce new products, um, that would. Be a little hurdle for them because um, a a lot of uh, visitors would come. Well, in the past, uh, would come and um, try new things, and if they uh, are not able to, um, you know, taste the the uh, the products uh, at the booth, um, that would uh, limit uh, their urgency to buy uh, those items. Um, but um, overall speaking, uh, they are not too much concerned about the dropping of the business because, because uh, they, they will launch out some or different ideas, uh, try to attract uh, more people. Uh, just as I say, you know the $1 um, items uh, is going to um, attract uh, many people to come to uh, the show. And um, for this year, I see that, you know, because in in the past, um, eh, well, we we can uh, identify the visitors into three main categories. Some people come in to the exhibition mainly to buy um, products which are, well, they feel very attractive in price. And uh, the second uh, sector of the people are those people who are looking for new products to try and then there are some other visitors um from probably a lot of uh, companies and they they are looking for new products uh to be listed in their companies uh to add on in in their portfolio so you know uh, without the um uh, tasting of the food uh, at the booth of course that would um you know on um, uh, decrease their urge to you know to buy the the, the items. Uh, so I did advise uh, to Hong Kong TDC whether they can um, designate a special area or a region um, for people uh, who just want to uh, take out the mask and do a little you know a fast tasting and then put up uh, put back their their mask. Uh, So, but um, according to the regulation imposed by the government, uh, it's not allowed. Uh, So um, we have to live with it.
2: And was there a designated uh, tasting area last last year at at last year's uh, Food Expo? Uh,
7: No. um, Actually, uh, this is a consumer show. And we see that uh, because there are so many people coming to the show per day, and it's so crowded, and the government uh, regulation uh, does not allow people to do tasting um, during the show. Um, but having said that, uh, there are some uh, trade shows uh, last year, and we we saw that um, there are uh, designated areas allocated to uh, buyers, and they can. Um, you know, get into the area and then uh, do uh, some uh, business uh, matching and and tasting of the food. But you know, uh, is, well, they have, uh, to, uh, limit, uh, they have to limit. They uh, have to limit the number of people getting in and um, controlling the people coming out. So um, it's kind of, um, you know, we have to live live on with the strict regulation
4: on this of course covid is not going away i mean you're going to be facing the same problem next year and the year after and the year after that so um what do you think is the? well the thing is we hope that the covid
7: uh, is going to leave us soon
4: and uh, Uh, i'm sorry i mean i must interrupt (laughs) there (laughs) we can hope but i mean realistically covid is is here to stay isn't it um well but of course, But if 98% of the people have been
7: vaccinated and um, more people have probably uh, got contained uh, with, with the, the, the COVID, then um, probably we, we can allow the, you know, people to lead a normal life.
4: So you are hoping that by next year you'll be back to tasting again? Yes, yes, definitely. Is that really a realistic hope? I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how about the? I mean, how oh, how about the alternative suggestion of having a sort of a tasting zone? Do do oh, that, that might be a sort of hard. It's very difficult to imagine going back to a situation where people can just take their masks off anywhere and eat, right? So, the idea of a tasting zone w- would that actually work going forward? I mean, because it, it means you can't give away free samples in front of stalls, right? Because people can't just eat them there.
7: Uh, yeah. Well. Um we have been talking to the government on this issue, and uh, of course the government is taking a, a, a you know a, a careful um, step. You know, uh, they they don't want to make any mistake. And um, but um, you know, just like uh, if you come to a restaurant, uh, right now you have to follow all the uh, stringent regulations on then you know if all these kind of regulations are com- compiled then uh, why not uh, having a you know special uh, region for just uh, you know for tasting like Ruby seven uh, you know is well people can allow to uh, drink beer or you know have some beverage uh, in the stand um, but uh, you know, Strangely, they cannot uh, eat any food, uh, but they can drink. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know, I don't see why, uh, you know, uh, even if they go uh, to a, an exhibition, uh, you know, um, particularly for a food exhibition, why can't we uh, do this kind
4: of arrangement? Of course, if you want to go to a bar these days, you have to take an RAT test before you can go in. Could you imagine a sort of similar situation that you. You only allow people to do tasting if they've taken if they've taken a RAT test first. Well, it doesn't matter.
7: We can, um, of course, um, if uh, that helps, then um, we can make this kind of arrangement. But it all depends on uh, the regulation of the government whether uh, they allow this or not.
2: So, so will you be following up on this uh, further, Mr. Wong? Will you be talking to the TDC?
7: Well, I've been talking to TDC almost every day, and, uh, but TDC um, follows the instructions, um, but this is uh, kind of understanding because, um, you know, when exhibitors are joining uh, this uh, food expo, uh, they have been informed uh, already that food is not allowed uh, to uh, be served uh, during uh, the, the exhibition period. Uh, inside the venue, um, Well, everybody knows about that uh, for the uh, for the exhibitors, uh, of course, uh, visitors might not be aware of this. And last year, some uh, visitors did uh, have a little uh, campaign on uh, this arrangement. But uh, finally, they comply with uh, they, they comply with uh, uh, this regulation because uh, we are in the COVID situation and people. You know, we give it to,
6: leave up
2: All right, uh, Mr. Wong, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Simon Wong, the President of the Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Many thanks also to you who commented or called us today. And uh, to my co-host, Danny Gitchings, and my producer, Yuki. Now, here's the weather. It'll be mainly cloudy with showers and thunderstorms. The thunderstorm warning is in force. Highs expected today of around 31 degrees, winds light to moderate easterlies. And the outlook showers and thunderstorms In the next couple of days, right now it's 29 degrees, relative humidity 78%.
3: I'm Dr. Patrick Yip. COVID-19 vaccination is the most effective way to prevent severe illness and death. More than
2: 100 million children
3: worldwide have received vaccination. We are working at full strength to have children aged 3 to 11 to get vaccinated. The two COVID-19 vaccines used in Hong Kong are safe and effective. No severe reaction has occurred after vaccination, even among those with asthma, food or drug allergies. Protect your children. at now to arrange vaccination.
2: I am a primary student. I want to get vaccinated. It's nine thirty. The news with Andrew Shirovsky.
1: Thank you, Janice. Firefighters are battling a blaze at a warehouse in Quante Village, North uh, in Fanling. They've warned residents to close their doors and windows and stay calm if they're being affected by the smoke and un- unusual odor. The foreign ministry in Beijing is condemned as a wrong and serious violation of the one China principle, a visit by the Speaker of the House of Representatives to Taiwan. An aircraft carrying Nancy Pelosi arrived shortly before 11 p.m. last night. The ministry also said the visit sent a seriously wrong signal to separatist forces on the island. And the Hong Kong Theater Arts Practitioners Union says temporary measures to improve stage safety are reasonable, but may may not be enough to prevent